HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. We are at the Springer Mountain Farms Grill, little campfire confessionals. Today we're with Daniel Doyle. Daniel is the chef owner of Pugin's Porch and Pugin's Smokehouse. Let me tell you a little about uh, Daniel. Born in Virginia, grew up in North Carolina. So there's some barbecue sauce in your blood. Yes, sir. Uh, Daniel has been invited to cook up in New York at the James Beard House on numerous occasions. He's also competed in Chopped back in 2015. How'd you do? I, I, what happened there? Well, um, I actually had the uh, April Fool's episode, so everything oh. was made to look like something it wasn't. Okay. So it was a little bit tricky. Um, you know, it's not. A, it's a tricky show in general, but... Is it as crazy Well, yeah. on the air as it looks on TV? Yeah, it was uh, wild. You know, like, things were supposed to be like chicken wings, but it was Rice Krispie Treats. Oh, boy. Yeah. Interesting. It was an interesting time. I made it to the second round, and then... Uh, Made a big mistake with some green beans that were actually fondant, and uh, yeah, it was All an right, interesting time. Listen, at least you got through uh, the first round. Yeah. All right, so Daniel has a couple of restaurants in Charleston. We are down at the uh, food festival. Um, Daniel's sort of been around the Charleston market for a while. Um, one of the things that you do, and talk to me a little about it, is you go out of your way to source meats, produce, grains from local farms and surrounding areas? Well, I mean, what we try to do is, you know, use what the low country's abundant. You know, when it's in season, try to use everything you can. You know, uh, when certain fish are swimming this area, field peas, heirloom tomatoes, you know, So there, there's tons of stuff that's indigenous to this yeah, area. Yeah, you try to use Once that. what pops up seasonally. Exactly, so you try to use everything you can. And, you know, Pugin's Porch is, you know, the longest standing family-owned restaurant in the city so we try to keep the hair you know the heritage alive and what it's always been you know so i was going to ask why it's so important one answer is to keep the heritage alive yeah you want to you want to support local and pay homage to what this area is you know i think a lot of people have been doing it for a while but what we try to do is you know fit it into our concept as well and you I, know? I guess you're kind of lucky because if you're in the middle of Montana, I don't know if you have yeah. the cornucopia of stuff here. So there's a lot of, you know, from the ocean. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, the Pugin Sports is pretty much a seafood restaurant with local, you know, produce thrown in there with it. It's, that's basically what the restaurant is. It's a low country, classic, low country restaurant. Right, right, right. Um, so Pugin Sports has been around how long? Since 1977 or six. That long? Yeah, yeah, since I was two. Yeah. 
And what about Pugin Smokehouse? Pugin that Smokehouse, came later? Yeah, much later. Pugin Smokehouse opened in October of 2015. And oh, we, I we didn't all, realize yeah. it was that recent. Yeah, we also were um, in the process of building another restaurant out in Somerville, which is about 20 minutes outside the city. And we um, have an event space that's coming online called Pugin's Courtyard here in the next month or so. Very cool. So. Um, if people want more information, they can always go to Pugin, Google yeah. Pugins or go to... Yeah, um, you know, uh, it's events at Pugins.com. Okay. And uh, they can get you with uh, all the information for the event space, what we do in the restaurants, you know, right, all that stuff. All right, so I, I came across something that made me curious. You spent time with cookbook author Natalie Dupre. Yes. You were researching, which was what we were just talking about, what specifically Charleston cuisines look like. Yeah, you, as compared to other southern cuisine so i'm curious you know what the consensus of what you came up with well you know it, it that was a you know the reason why we're doing that I was doing that james beard dinner and i was invited to do a charleston christmas and i knew what a southern christmas was right so i mean you know she just we were just going back and paying homage to thing all kind of dishes and stuff like that it was it's so much information she's it was pretty much like a cornucopia of information as well I mean, we were talking about... Tell me some interesting findings. I mean, what... Well, I mean, you know, really what I found out it was that it was just using indigenous ingredients as well, like oysters when they're in season, you know, which peas you should do, not just using black-eyed peas, using, you know, pink lady field peas. And so you got deep into everything. Yeah, I mean, she went, like, it was a deep dive. I could have sat there for eight, nine hours. Right. And still probably wouldn't have been able to get as much information as she was willing to share. So you just said something and clear it up for me. As an oyster eater, are oysters seasonal or well, or do, they are? Is there a window when they're the most I mean, abundant? You know, yeah, I mean, around here, you know, you you want to say that it's usually on you know months with ER, so you know October, November, right, 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 December, right, right. I January, February is pretty good, but it starts around February is when you should really, you know, local oysters are not as not as good, and when the water's colder, you know what I mean. Right. There's a lot of Good to know. Yeah, That's why a lot of temperature. Now, if you're talking about up in the Chesapeake area and you know up towards Canada and stuff, the water stays colder much longer. So, which in turn, the oyster season is much longer. Right, so right. It so varies on. obviously. Yeah, geographically. As, you, as you go up, it changes. Right. Um, we are at the Springer Martin Farms Grill, and Daniel is making a crap load of chicken wings. Yeah. So, you opened. You said you opened Pugin's uh, Smokehouse a few years ago. I think you can help us, the amateur barbecue guy. Just give us some basic tips. Just well, general barbecuing. Like, do, don't do this or do this or here's what. Well, I mean, I could give you the classic ones, you know, slow and low. Give me the classic one. You know, always slow cook some, and low. Explain yeah. that. Yeah. Well, you don't, you know, when you're barbecuing, you want to cook long periods of time with low heat. You know, I usually smoke things in between 225 and no more than 240 degrees. So, like, with ribs, you want to... You know, do a nice dry rub, let them smoke slow, five, six hours. So, um, you know, whole hog, 13, 14 hours. You low, know, low heat. Low heat, long Slow, time. long time. And also now, good let, meat. Helps. Let's apply that to the backyard barbecue guy that may have a Weber. Yeah. So you could turn the Weber down to two, 225. Yeah. Maybe turn the middle burners off. Yeah. Tell I mean, me how I could barbecue some ribs. or. Bur well, I mean, you could do that. Like a big green egg does the same thing. Right. You know, and you could... You know, just smoke slow and less, you know, less charcoal, less, and just let it keep on going and keep on stoking that fire. You just don't want it to rise up 
too much above 250. When it starts getting in that range, it starts to caramelize on the outside, and then, then you know, the meat starts to toughen and things like that. So don't be intimidated. No. Even the home barbecuer can it, do that. It can be done. Low heat, slow, doesn't have to be direct. Be patient. Exactly. All right. You know, and, and, and just have fun while you're doing it. I think that's half the thing, too. What about dry rub versus wet rub? Well, I do a little bit of both. So I don't, I, I, you know. And but so, if, if you had to pick one. I would say dry, personally. Okay. But we would, yeah. But, you know, what, what I usually do, like, say, if I'm doing pork butts or ribs or whatever, I would salt them first for 24 hours. Okay. Just, like, you know, lightly salt. Right. So Give it me. starts to bring, you know, the juices out and... And starts like giving some flavor to the meat and so on and so on and then i would <clears throat> then i would dry rub and then smoke all right g- give me give me at least five necessary ingredients to a dry rub okay well all right let me let me think salt pepper pepper right. um, what what are at least three i can't go without uh well i, I usually i like a little bit of paprika, paprika? Uh, i like a little tiny bit of cayenne Cayenne gives a little, little, kick. little kick to it. Not a lot, but a little bit. And then um, I actually use a little teensy bit of brown sugar. And not much. Okay. But a little bit. Caramelization? Yeah, just to give it some bark. Okay. Not a lot. Right. Because you're not trying to make sugar cured meat. So it's that really tricky, but you're off to a good start at least with that. Yeah. Alright, one more barbecue question. If we're going wet, I'm assuming you go North Carolina. I mean what kind of sauce? White, red, I mean, sweet. Wow, uh, wow. Um, if I'm going that way, I would go probably red. Red, red sweet, probably. But isn't Carolina more of a vinegar? Well, or white? it depends on what vidget, what what vert, what region, you know. Okay. Like Lexington, North Carolina is going to be more of a red, and then Eastern North Carolina is going to be more of a vinegar. So, if I'm, you know, but if I'm doing, it depends on what meat I'm doing too. Right. If I'm doing whole hog. But I'm not talking about the meat. I'm talking about your preference. Oh, if I'm personal preference, uh, I let the chefy part of me answer that question. That's I would say I would for. say vinegar. Vinegar, okay. purple, you know, That's what pulled, I thought. Yeah, yeah spicy a, vinegar. He threw yeah. a curveball at yeah. me. Yeah, I mean, I thought you meant like, what would I cook for the No, masses. no, no, just what your preference is. Yeah, my um, preference would be vinegar, for sure. So, Pugin's been around Charleston a long time. Yes, sir. Your observations, say the last 10, 15 years, how has the restaurant scene changed? What have you observed? I mean, what are the most <laughs> well, obvious you know, things um, you? The restaurant has, has evolved a good bit in the city. Uh, you know, the trend is a lot of people coming to town from other areas and, and trying to open up things in their own cuisine here. And I think there's some people that's been super successful with it and others that have not. But the one thing that I will say about this area, too. Wait, wait. Nobody's listening. It's just you and me. Yeah. When people come from the outside, do you resent that or are you welcome that? Well, no. I, well, it depends. Depends on how they act when they come. You know what I mean? Right. Well, like some people anybody. show up are pretty cool people and it's no big deal. I think, I think you know, the more the merrier. I think people that show up with a different take on the restaurant game and different things, it's great. If you show up and think you're going to do what Charleston's known for better and act that way, then that's, it could be right, a problem. So one thing is people are coming from out of town to open yeah. up. What are some of the other changes you've noticed? Um, you know, it's uh, super competitive. Uh, you know, you have to be on your game and you got to pay attention to what you're doing. You know, it's you can't rest on your laurels. You want to make sure that you're understanding the trends and stay on trend, but at the same time, staying true to what right. you are and what your concept right. is. In the long run, that's you know really what, I mean? what matters. You know I mean? you know, especially with like Pugin's Porch, it's been there for 30, oh, 40 some years, and you want to make sure that the people that 
can come and understand what you are. Right. You don't want to be. You don't want to lose sight. Be true to your of what you just. And, you know, if right. you're gonna do a crab cake, just do the best damn crab cake you can do. Right. You know, if you're gonna do oysters, make sure that they're good and have good salinity. You know what I mean? Like if you're. No, I think that's the most important I, thing. I think a lot of people get lost in really what's really going on. All right. So last question. I do a I do a weekly wine show on Heritage Radio Network. So I couldn't let you go without you telling me. When you're not working or you're hanging out, what forget am I drinking? Beer, forget booze. What am I if drinking? When you're drinking wine, what are you drinking? Wow, probably a. Oh God, I'd say a cab more often than not. A cab? You like yeah. a bigger, heavier yeah, wine? Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I'm, yeah, well, my parents have been big wine connoisseurs my whole life. So, so you were around it. Yeah, but so, you're not a huge wine guy. No, no. But all right. So then, what's your drink of choice? Oh wow. Um, Bourbon, but I would say a bourbon and ginger if I'm gonna go like a mixed drink. All right. Like, you know, or bourbon and water. Sounds like it goes well with ribs. Yeah, it does, but you know, beer too. Yeah, you know? I figured beer. Yeah. All right, one last last thing. We've been standing in front of the grill for a little while. Yeah. Low temperature for a long time. So low and slow. Am I done yet? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I'm done. So. Yeah. All right, we've been talking to Daniel Doyle. Daniel is the uh, proprietor of Pugin's Porch kind of a Charleston institution and he opened Coogan Smokehouse. We want to thank Springer Mountain Farms for letting us have a little chat at our campfire confessionals. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network at the Charleston Wine and Food Festival. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks, everybody. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please... Join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.